Our reading comes to us from the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 54 to 62. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Here ends the reading. It was Pliny the Younger who, in AD 77, is said to have birthed one of our popular cultural myths, that of the absurd relationship between the elephant and the mouse. When I think of these two animals, my mind instantly jumps to comical, cartoonish images of elephants leaping onto chairs to avoid these tiny creatures. While the scientific proof behind this image is perhaps less than plausible, to me this is a strikingly accurate portrayal of the transformative power of fear. It twists us into different people perhaps people we were previously assured that we could never be. Like the giant and majestic elephant cowering before a tiny, beady-eyed mouse demonstrates, fear does not conform to the pattern of logic. It is nonsensical. And it is potent, touching us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. In the escalating interchanges between Peter and the bystanders in the courtyard, the sensation of mounting fear is palpable. It begins with an unassuming little girl peering at him inquisitively over the fire. This man also was with him. He's been found out. His stomach begins to churn. He can feel his heart beating in his chest. I don't know him. He continues to warm his hands, trying to remain calm. The last thing he needs is this causing a scene, which would only further implicate him. But then a man begins to stare, and the fear rushes in anew. He's identified as a follower of Jesus again. He responds, perhaps a bit too loudly this time, overcompensating. Man, I do not know him. More people are beginning to look now. His cheeks flush, and he feels perspiration forming on his forehead. His mind is racing with a myriad of what-ifs. What if the crowd turns on me? 
What if I get sent to the high priest? What if they arrest me like Jesus? The last person to speak to Peter is worst of all because he is persistent. He won't let it drop. Surely this man also was with him for he is a Galilean. This is the last straw. Peter cries, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Before he can continue defending himself, and I'm sure he had a slew of remarks ready to spill out. You've got it all wrong. Just because I'm a Galilean doesn't mean anything. I've never seen this man before. But the usually verbose Peter is interrupted by a rooster crowing. The deed is done. And Peter meets the eyes of the man he has just disowned. Now, if we flash back just a few verses in chapter 22, Jesus predicts this very scene. But Peter, unschooled in the ways of fear, deems this an impossibility. Not me. Not Peter, a member of Jesus' inner circle, the one whose very name connotes the safety and security of a firm foundation. Peter has spent the past years by Jesus' side watching him minister. It's Peter who acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah. No, this cannot be. Peter responds to Jesus' prediction of denial with a bright confidence. Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and death. I'm sure the irony of Peter's brazen assurance is not lost on Jesus in that moment. And it's not lost also on the reader of scripture familiar with this passage. Oh, Peter, we sigh, so sure of yourself that you even contradict the words of Jesus himself. But far be it from us to chide. I am no Peter. I was not with Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. I did not help distribute the multiplied loaves to thousands of people. I was not with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And yet, on reading this passage, I'm often met with the whisper, not me. I could never deny Jesus. But Peter's swift fall should check each of our spirits. The question should not be if I will deny Jesus, but when. Now, many of us here in the United States in 2019 will not be placed in the courtyard of Peter. We will not face a situation in which we will have to choose between potential imprisonment and death and our Lord. But this does not exonerate us from these moments of denial. And let me be clear, this text is not speaking about the little moments or the minor mistakes. It's not the twinge of guilt you feel when you're short with your spouse or when you haven't read your Bible enough, a disappointment about how you handled a situation with a child or something unkind you said about a coworker. No, this text is talking about an elephant mouse moment. When you do or say something, and afterwards you don't recognize yourself anymore. Remember, Peter assured Jesus that he would follow him, even to death. 
but he did not realize the depths of his fear until probed by onlookers in the light of the fire with Jesus in chains nearby. I cannot say what this looks like for each of you. We all have our own personal stories of this denial and betrayal. But what I do know is that it is unforgettable because there is no hiding. We are confronted with the depths of our sin, things we did not know we were even capable of. We wonder how could a person who claims to follow Christ do this? How could I turn so far from the Lord I love? But it is in these very moments, the moments of realization, when we do the unthinkable and deny the God we love, it is in these moments that we are presented with a unique opportunity. Instead of turning to despair and self-pity, we should ask, why? Why did I deny Jesus in this way? What's behind it? Is it fear? Am I afraid that God is not real or does not care? Was I motivated by anger? How did I get here? And we must answer Jesus' question that he poses to Peter after the resurrection. Peter, do you love me? Macy, do you love me? This is the difficult and messy work of wrestling with our shadow sides, but I believe that it is in these times that we transform from proud and confident followers to chastened yet committed disciples. Our passage notes that during his third denial, Peter is interrupted by a rooster crowing and is met by the eyes of Jesus. What a stunning picture of a gracious God we find in Jesus turning toward the one who had just turned away from him in betrayal. In our moments of denial, we need not worry about being abandoned by Jesus. The Bible speaks of a God who is constantly bending, stooping, and turning toward humanity. But when we meet this sobering stare of Christ, we are faced with a choice. We can choose the path of self-pity and despair, which leads to a dead end. Or we can choose the path of Peter, whose bitter tears of remorse led to repentance and later to restoration. Amen.